Good morning, everybody. We're so excited to be here with you guys. With having to speak at other places, we've missed so much being with you guys um, the past several weeks. And But we, we really thank God for this extended time that we did have with you this summer. And we're going to miss you guys so much again as we go back home to Haiti. Um, but just know that through the year when we're in Haiti, you guys don't leave our minds. We think of you often. You're on our fridge and you're in our hearts and we pray for you guys and we thank you guys so much for the prayers that we know that you guys are praying for us and we need them and we feel them and we thank God for them and for you guys. So this morning, we just wanted to talk to you guys about what our first year in Haiti looked like. Um, it was definitely the, a little different than we expected and even trained for, you know, within the first week of getting there, the, the country shut down and went on a lockdown. And um, then, you know, that fall we had national food and gas shortages and some different things that happened. And we've experienced our first earthquake. And then, of course, with the rest of the world, this, you know, pandemic. But we're not going to talk about that today. We want to talk about how in the midst of all that in our first year, how we saw God work. And so we're really excited to share with you guys today. So uh, before I kind of, we go into the ministry stuff, um, I wanted to kind of let you guys know how our family did the first year. Um, I'll start with the boys. Uh, they transitioned to life in Haiti really, really well. Um, from playing outside, to ev uh, playing outside every day, to riding an ATV, to school and back, to... Uh, eating awesome Haitian food and Haitian cooking. Um, they really jumped into Haiti life really, really well. Um, as for our family as a whole, I would say uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving was definitely a little tough because, you know, that's the time you get to spend with friends and family. Um, I would say getting used to doing everyday things like going to the store, getting food, um, traveling outside our village. Um, I would also say having people come to our door every day asking for help was definitely an adjustment, something to get used to. Um, but all in all, I think uh, we really found a great blend of ministry life and home life. And I think God really blessed us in that way. And also definitely having the kids help out in ministry life as well uh, was definitely a blessing. So we were both wanting to share with you maybe just a few of the stories um, that we really felt like we could just see God work um, in Haiti. And I feel like we could be here all day if we shared those with you guys. There's so many. Um, but one I really want to share with you that is always going to stick with me um, is in January, I went out to a church called Polycott in the mountains with a, one of our teams. And um, it was an amazing time. And we uh, had one of these days where we had to go up this steep part of the mountain to go to a satellite church to take these pew benches up the mountain to them and just to spend a day encouraging them. Um, but it was very steep. So even... If you were not injured, it was a very hard walk. Um, and one of our guys that morning twisted his ankle, so he couldn't go. So one of our translators, Paragons, and I stayed back with his, him and his wife, uh, the guy that twisted his ankle. And we decided just to go around the local mountainous area around the church. It was still hilly, but we could take more breaks for the guy, and it wasn't quite as steep. And looking back now at the end of this day, I know God had butt twist his ankle for a reason because two ladies came to know Christ. It was so amazing. Um, we took our time just going to different people's homes and we just would sit with them and, and talk to them and get to know them and, and see what their needs were and pray with them, share the gospel, um, give them food if needed, just different things like that, just pouring into them. And um, one of the ladies at one of the houses let us know she she wanted to know Jesus. And, and so it was such a privilege to get to pray with her and have her pray and, and receive Christ as her Savior. So we were all done. 
and we were walking back on the dirt road to the church, and we were so excited. You know, we're on fire, like, this is awesome. And all of a sudden, this lady just looks so distressed. She just approaches us alongside the road, and um, we were done. We didn't know what she was doing, you know, what was going on. It was a little out of the blue, you know. And she comes up, and she starts talking to us, and she goes, I just... I really felt prompted to come up and talk to you. And um, we knew that that was the Holy Spirit, of course. And so we, we start talking to her, and she quickly lets us know that um, her husband had died. And they tried to save him through going to the witch doctor. As you guys know, you know, it's voodooism is so prominent in Haiti. And um, he ended up dying, and now to survive, she's had to turn to the ways of the devil and, and the witch doctor um, just to survive. And so... It was such an honor and a blessing and a really cool way to see in that moment where the Holy Spirit takes over and it's not anyone talking, it's the Holy Spirit talking through us. Uh, just sharing with her the freedom she could have in Christ um, and how much stronger that Jesus is than the devil. And she wanted Jesus. And it was so cool. Um, gathered together in a circle um, as she prayed and she asked him to be her savior. And then we prayed over her, just encouraging her and, and worshiping the Lord for this soul that was saved. And at the end, it was such an honor to look at her. And I was like, the devil has no more hold on you. I was like, you are free in Jesus' name. I was like, how awesome is that? And so um, that is a day I'll never forget. And I just wanted to share that with you guys. You know, it's kind of hard, like she said, to pick one or two things that we want to share about that we can share about. I mean, that slideshow we showed, I think every one of those pictures, we could talk for 20, 30 minutes on each one of those pictures. Um, but a couple of things I want to share with you guys um, that really stuck with me and that I really got to see God working. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is uh, I got to be part of this team that built a house for a lady named Emily. It was the very first team I got to go out with. Uh, this is Emily. Uh, she's a single mom of six kids. Uh, she's an awesome lady. She works with our friends, the, the Nooner Makers. And about six years ago, she was praying one morning, and she clearly heard God tell her, I'm going to provide for you a house. Now, she hadn't been praying for a house, but she says she heard it clear as day, and she said, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you. You know, we'll see what happens. And last year, there's this team coming down from Nebraska, and they're like, hey, we have some extra money. We want to build a house for somebody or build something for somebody. What do you guys think? So RMI was like, well, we know this lady named Emily. Uh, let's go build her a house. So they went up to her and said, hey, Emily, we want to build you a house. And of course, she was overjoyed um, because she had never told anybody about what she had heard that day she was praying. She just trusted in God and said, I know God's going to do this. So obviously, you know, she's super ecstatic because her house that she was living in was basically, you know, there's one of the before pictures. It was sticks and tin. It was a one-room house with a queen-size bed and all their belongings in it. Usually she slept on the bed with the younger two and all the older kids slept on the floor. And so being able to build this house for her was just awesome. She went from this shack to this beautiful multi-room concrete home. Uh, there's locks on the doors, the windows had locks. So she had not only security, but also a good roof over her head. So when it rained, uh, she didn't get rained on. And so, and one of the other things too, is she had a working toilet. They had never had that before. And so we were, able to, we were able to provide her with a working toilet. And it was just so awesome to see kind of God's faithfulness to her and her faithfulness, knowing that God would provide and give her what he had promised her. So it was just awesome to be a, a part of that. Um, and another story I want to share with you guys, it was actually the second team I got to go out with. And if you don't know, RMI pairs American churches and Haitian churches, and they become sister churches. And this team I went out with was a first-time 
church partnership. So these these two churches had never met each other. So it was really cool to be part of this this team and see this first time interaction. And when we have teams come down, we usually ask one of the team members to to preach on Sundays. Steve knows all about preaching on Sundays in Haiti. Uh, <laughs> but this team, this guy was picked. His name is Dennis. And Dennis, I think, had a master's degree in theology. So it was like, you know, he really knew his stuff. And when we ask people to, to preach, we say, if you could try to keep it to 20 minutes, because somebody is also translating your 20-minute sermon, which turns into a 40-minute sermon. So we just try to be respectful to the translators, to the people of the church. Um, so anyway, so Dennis gets up and he preaches and he preaches a really, really awesome message about how we are all the body of Christ and how we need to stick together and come together for God's glory. Well, Dennis's 20 minute sermon went 30, 40, 50 minutes. And you know, us Americans are kind of looking at our watch like, oh, come on, Dennis, you know, let's wrap this up. So a anyway, great message. I don't want to you know, I sound horrible saying that, but <laughs> it was a really great message. And a couple hours later, me and my boss, Benson, uh, we hop in this truck and we're going to go check on this solar project that was down the road. And he turns to me as he's driving. He's like, so what did you think of Dennis's message? And I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's great. It's about coming together, you know, as the body of Christ. You know, these two churches haven't met each other, that kind of thing. And he looks me right in the eye and he's like, Jim, I've known this church for a long time. That was exactly the message this church needed to hear. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, this church for years, there's been a ton of infighting amongst the congregation members, the deacons. They've been through multiple pastors because they could never come together. There was always some little, just little things, minuscule things, things that didn't last for eternity that didn't matter, but yet it was causing fracture, uh, friction and fracture in this church. And so to me, it was just so awesome how God not only brought these two sister churches together at the right time, but also gave Dennis this message of togetherness and how we need to stick together for God's glory. And it was just awesome to be a part of that. So as most of you guys probably know, and like he briefly shared, our big thing that we do is that sister church connection. Um, but one of the big programs I wanted to share a little bit more in detail with you guys now that I've gotten to actually be a part of it um, is our program called Hope for Kids. And it's a program very dear to my heart, and I've gotten to be a part of it um, this past year, um, getting to go out some time and taking photos or helping with the school pictures or plugging them in the computers, just various things like that. And um, why it's so important to have this program is because in Haiti, um, school costs money. It's private. It's not public. It's not free for the most part. And if you know anything about Haitians, it's it's not affordable for them. They can't afford it. They barely can survive just to get food for their families. So it's very, very hard to give those kids education unless they are sponsored. And so we have this sponsorship program called Hope for Kids. We have over 30 plus schools that we work with and over 10,000 kids that we feed every day with the hot lunch program. And so what I love about this program is, uh, for instance, if you want to pull up the picture of Salandina, um, this is a little girl, our friend Lee Noonmaker, he's another uh, missionary as well. Um, one day, um, she strolled into the office with her pastor from the school and shared how she was having trouble breathing and she was sick. And so because of the program, we not only can um, provide them the schooling and uniforms and books and, and a hot lunch and everything like that, but we actually can provide medical care for them as well when they need it. And so um, we were able to get her seen 
and get the treatment and diagnosis and everything that she needed to help her get better. And then we got to see her months later and she was doing so much better um, and healing from this. And it was just awesome to see that when that is needed in the program, we can do that. There's another little boy that had lost his leg and we were able to get him a, um, a leg. Uh, prosthetic leg for him. And so that was just such a blessing and a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, what I love about this program is it's not just some like big program where you're kind of wondering, you know, what everything does or where everything goes, but we actually personally go to every school all the time. It's like a constant basis, rotational basis that we do. And so we have this checks and balances, you know, checking how the students are doing, the teachers are doing, getting the updates, seeing where the donations are going we personally bring it and do it and hand it out ourselves. So it was really fun because we have a kid named Adrino that we've been sponsoring for a couple years before we moved. And so it was really neat once we moved down there to actually go to his school, you know, see how he's doing at home, see how he's doing at school, talking to him. And when we got his picture um, in the mail, um, it was really cool to see his smile, his grin, and remember that I was sitting right beside him making him laugh to make him grin. Like, it was just really cool to have that moment, know that personal connection that we have with the kids. Um, and so this Hope for Kids program is just so amazing. One day, Jim and I got to go to one of the local schools in our area. And someone had donated from the States a whole bunch of bowls and spoons. And you guys, it was like kids in the U.S. on Christmas morning just for bowls and spoons. Because to them, this meant they were gonna have a hot lunch. And when, even though we do serve over 10,000 kids a hot lunch, they do have to provide the, the item, the bowl or cup or whatever it is that they have to put the um, food in. And so, unless someone is, donates like they did this day. And so we've been to many schools where you see a lot of kids don't have a bowl or spoon, so they get creative with items they bring in, or they have to sit and wait until a sibling or someone else is done eating, then they use theirs. And so this was such a huge deal to these kids to have their very own bowl and spoon that's capped at the school for them to have this food every day. And so that is something that just impressed upon my heart so much. And I just love this Hope for Kids program, and it's a blessing to be a part of it. So what does this next year look like as we go back to Haiti? Um, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected or unexpect the expected or however you want to say it. Um, we have teams scheduled to come down. Um, we don't know if they will or not, but for us, we will still be doing all our everyday things with connecting the churches from Haiti to the churches in the U.S. Um, we will still be doing our Hope for Kids program. We'll still be contacting the pastors of the churches and the administrators of the school to see what the needs are of that community and trying our best to help them out as we can. And also for those church partnerships that we have, because they might not physically see each other in person, we're gonna to try to use video and technology to try to still keep that connection with these churches because most of them have seen each other many, 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 many years. And even going one year without seeing each other, I know has a really big impact. So we're definitely gonna keep going with that. Um, I'm going to start a new position, if you will, of being in charge of internet for our area. Um, if something goes wrong, we can't call Spectrum to come and fix it. I am now Spectrum. So if there's a problem, which there usually is almost every day, I get to go out and try to diagnose and fix it. So that'll be fun and exciting. <laughs> um, April's gonna start homeschooling our boys this year. And so not only will she be doing ministry stuff of going out and taking pictures with Hope for Kids or checking on projects Armaya is doing, but she's gonna be homeschooling as well. So she's definitely got a lot on her plate. And then also, we're still gonna be doing our language studies. That's an ever ongoing thing because we wanna develop deeper relationships with 
not only the people that we work with at our house, with the RMI staff, but anyone that comes to our door, we want to be able to talk with them and really try to connect with them as well. I just, one of the, we would just want to share lastly, just like some of the ways you guys can pray for us. You guys have been so awesome with that and we thank you so much. Um, so as we began to make our journey back to Haiti, we just wanted to ask for prayer for safe and smooth travels back. Uh, just for all those details to work out. There's just some little details that have to work out between um, Laney and Pap and, and then Kai's. And so just be praying for that. Um, and just transition into year two of ministry life with what he was saying, um, new positions and uh, the ministry life and balancing that with homeschool and family and everything else. Praying for year two. We really, um, you know, we feel like year one, it was amazing, even in the hard, and God grew us, and it was like getting our feet wet. And so this year, we're just so excited um, and asking for prayer that the Holy Spirit would just really guide us every day, making us so aware of those, even those little moments where he's wanting us to do or say something. So just be praying for that so that we can know, you know, how he's wanting us to love and serve the people there. And then, of course, um, I think everyone's praying for everybody for this right now. Good health, strong immune systems. And um, I can't thank you enough for praying for me this past summer um, as I've healed from my gut issues. I feel like 95% better. I, I praise God for the healing he has done in me, and I'm so excited to get back now. And um, so just continue pre praying for me for that um, full healing as well. So thank you guys so much. Stark, you mentioned, you mentioned the Haitian food, and now I can't stop thinking about griot and pickles. And I told him to bring back some fresh hot griot when he flew back, and didn't, I, it, it didn't make, make the it. Flight. Yeah. yeah, sorry, um, I lost it. Oh my goodness, now I want some so badly. Haitian food is fantastic. So we just had a couple questions for you guys, just to, for you to understand. There's a temptation sometimes, right? Let's be honest. There's a temptation when a missionary comes in to sit in a seat and think, oh, that's, that's cute. That's a sweet story. That makes me feel good, but it doesn't apply to me, right? That, that's for them. They were called to missions. So I'm just here to listen and not really do anything with this message, but that's not the case. And in talking to them, I, I've had the privilege of getting to have multiple conversations with them uh, and just hearing the application that we want to make sure that this isn't just something that makes you guys feel good about supporting them as our family, but something that is still challenging you and pushing you to grow. So talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned providing a prosthetic. You mentioned providing bowls and spoons. You, James, and I, the one morning, had a great conversation about Wi-Fi. Why is that such a big deal? This is trivial stuff, right? Or is it? Well, no, it's definitely not trivial. Um, you know, we can each use, it's not about what you have, it's about what you do with it. And so providing these services for people is a great way to get involved in people's lives. Doing internet stuff is a great way to get involved in people's lives because to me, that's usually the first step. I can't just go up to somebody, bump them on the head and say, Jesus loves you, accept him as your savior right now. It doesn't work like that. Usually it's about building relationships. And especially with what we do, like that's a main focus is building that relationship, showing them what the love of Jesus looks like because that's how you lead people to Christ. Showing them how the love of Jesus yeah. looks like which has been such a theme in talking with you guys. And hopefully, as we've been preaching through Jesus' life and we've looked at his continued emphasis on reaching people and loving people and being there for them, we looked at Don last week as Don talked about building relationships in Japan, right? The Starkeys this week are talking about building relationships and using the relationships in their life for kingdom impact. 
And so that's where I want to go next with it, talking about using relationships in your life for kingdom impact. What would you say to someone who's like, well, right, that's all well and good for them. They're called into missions. They're meant to do that. How's that apply to me? I mean, is this something that's new to you being down in Haiti, or how have you seen this play out? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I actually got a really, really good story about this. Um, so we, we became missionaries in 2017. We were deputized, you know, ready to join the missions field. And I remember thinking, you know, all right, cool. You know, when I, when I get down to Haiti, my mission starts. You know, I can, I can start doing godly things then or sharing about Jesus. Right, God's work is reserved for exactly. Haiti. Like once you leave Haiti, your zip code, yeah. And uh, I'd say to take you back about five or six years ago, um, there was a guy that was hired at, our, at my place of work. And I knew him, but I didn't know him super well. And let's just say we clashed almost immediately. We really didn't get along. Um, he had had a rough upbringing. Um, he didn't know Jesus. And just from other points in his life, I, I still remember the conversation of him telling me that my African-American son couldn't marry his daughter. And, oh, man, you know, again, we, we really butted heads and just it was not good. Um, and then about, I'd say, a little over two years ago, he accepted Christ as his Savior. Hmm. And just it was so awesome because not only did we have something in common now, but you could just see just Jesus exude from him. And it was so awesome because here we are in this factory. You know, he'd be like, hey, man, I was, I was reading this passage, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 15. You know, like, what does that mean to you? And I, oh, I don't know. Let me go look it up and we'll, we'll see what happens. And, I mean, it was just day after day. If, if we were having a hard day, if I was having a hard day, he'd have some kind of scripture to encourage me. Or he'd be like, dude, I'm about to lose it today. I'm about to just go off. What do I do? Because a lot of what he kept referring back to is his upbringing. He, you know, he got in trouble a lot in his youth, and, you know, he definitely had a hard life. And so he was trying to switch that mindset of just being all about Christ. And so it was awesome for me because I got to be there for him. I got to be the one to, to share with him a verse that really touched my heart. And I, I still remember he even apologized for that comedy made about my son. Like, he's like, I'm so sorry, man. Like, that's just how I was raised, and it was so, like, I see now how wrong I was. And it was just, I mean, I can't tell you enough how awesome it was to be in this factory. You know, I was just a welder. You know, I was just a dude, everyday dude. And sure, I was going to Haiti, but, you know, I, I didn't know at the time, but that was still years off. But just to be able to minister to him and him to minister to me really, I know, grew my faith and grew his faith in that same time. And so it's, it's not that you have to go someplace like Haiti to minister to people to reach people for Jesus. It's just about showing them love and then sharing with them, you know, what God's done for you. And it, that was amazing to me. Yeah, you were just a welder. Paul was just a lawyer. Peter yeah. was just a fisherman. I mean, I think, you're, I think you're in good standing there with the track record. So talk a little bit about, you, you've mentioned, you know, we, we saw pictures of some of the churches, because that is a question, right? That's a curious, every time I've gone overseas, people, when you get back, they want to hear, okay, well, what's different, what's the same? So talk to us a little about what are the, I think sometimes the differences are very obvious. Talk to us first about what are some similarities between Haitians and Americans, but then, yeah, share us with, what's the difference between an American church and a Haitian church? Uh, oh, I'll take this one. <laughs> uh, Similarities, uh, I'd say church structure is pretty much the same kind of similarity. They meet on Sundays, um, usually deacons, a pastor. Um, most churches have the same kind of structure throughout the, the service. You sing first, 
and then prayer, preaching, and then closing him usually. Um, I would say that's about the similarities between the church. How about the similarities between just, just American people and Haitian people in general? I know they they love God. I mean, they uh, family. I mean, family. Yeah. Like you see that. Oh, sorry. So like it's it's neat where. I don't know. Growing up in America, your whole life, you kind of wonder how people love, how people feel, how people you know be in different cultures and different um, countries. And being down there, I think has showed me, no matter how poor someone is, no matter what their culture is, whatever it is. They love their kids just like we do. Their kids are ornery just like our kids. Like, it's all the same. People are people. They're God's children wherever we go. So that, that's definitely a similarity. Cool. How about differences? Okay. Um, okay, so one of the big differ or differences, I would say, differences, are, I, th I, would, I would think there's probably more differences um, in the church in a good way um, that I think we in the U.S. church could learn from. And that would be um, one of them that comes to my mind is when we go there, um, they're in no hurry or rush to leave. There's, it, they, you just, you get this sense that they, they have this huge community, the sense of wanting to be together and spending this time together in the Lord, learning about Jesus, worshiping him. There's no agenda. It's like Holy Spirit led. And they just, they don't care so much about all those other things. They just want to be together and they just want Jesus. And so I love that aspect of, of that I think Americans struggle with is the hurry to everything and rush to everything and run off and do our things and then just come back every Sunday where they just long to just stay together and be together. Um, it was just torture for them when they couldn't even, you know, they tried to break it down to like groups of 10 and they would meet like every hour a different group of 10 when it first happened, the quarantine. And it was just really, really hard for them. Um, another big one is worship. I think that has humbled me the most going there. If any of you guys have been Haiti, you know what I'm talking about. Um, not only do they um, worship much longer than we do uh, before and after the service, um, but they worship with a band and they have no reservation. They could care less what um, someone else is doing or how someone else is worshiping or who is looking at them because if you watch them during the service, it, it is just them and Jesus. Like They're in that moment with him. And I feel like we could learn so much in the American church from that. And I have personally. It's been really cool. To see that, what about you? Um, I'd say practical side. Uh, most churches don't have electricity, and if they do have electricity, it's usually a generator, and it's only being provided for for the service, and that's about it. Uh, so you definitely see a lot of cell phones being charged during church service. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say. Um, most people, and I would say more in the country than in like Port-au-Prince or even Kai, where we live, most people in the country can't read. So when they come to church, that's about their only time to hear the gospel, what God's word says, what's being preached. And so they definitely look forward to coming every Sunday, knowing that's their time to hear God's word. Um, and I would say they all give sacrificially. I mean... It's, it's so humbling when they pass the offering plate around and you see people putting money in knowing they're trusting God because they might not have enough for food, but they faithfully give. And that, that to me is definitely humbling and a huge difference, I would say. Hmm. And lastly, as we kind of wrap up with questions, and just so you know, 
they have been such a blessing to us as a family. I got Jim's permission to share this story, and it's, it's been shared before. My first introduction to Jim Starkey, we had just started coming to the church. I didn't know who Jim Starkey was. All I knew was there was a guy who sat in the very back and just watched sports on his iPad the entire service. Like that was, there's a guy in the back who's not interested in what's going on. He's watching sports, right? And I got to know Jim Starkey. And to see, we think sometimes, were you a Christian back when you were watching sports? You had a relationship with Jesus? I would say if somebody asked me, I would probably say yes. Right. So yeah, he wasn't out on the street selling drugs, right? Sometimes we think of these that radical you know. trans... That I know of, right? <laughs> yeah, sh- don't. Come on. Plausible deniability. Right? Sometimes we think of radical transformation as they have to go from the absolute low of the low. And I would say in Jim, we got to witness firsthand someone who was just very comfortable with a casual faith. Right? Oh, yeah, it's a, you know, I'm here in church. This is part of me. But it didn't define who Jim was. And then watching Jim over the years where I'd send him a text or I'd see him on a Sunday morning, hey, did you catch the game last night? No, I was memorizing Creole. No, I was, watch- I was talking with my friends down in Haiti. No, I was studying the Bible so I could be better. I mean, just watching God take a casual, you know, once a, once a week Christianity and transforming it into something that defines who Jim is, that's what a relationship with Jesus is meant to be. And so not only have you guys been a testimony to the people in Haiti, I think to all of us, they've been a testimony of what Jesus is meant to be in our lives in this past weekend, we lost Hutch. Hutch went home on Friday evening, and on Saturday, I was at another funeral. And so I've been very mindful of this this weekend, right? And in the Bible, it even says, teach us to number our days that we might know what wisdom is. Guys, if this life for you isn't defined by Christ, if this life for you is not driven by glorifying his name, what life are you waiting for? Are you waiting for round two? Are you waiting for a second chance? There's not one. We have this life. And Jim shared, April shared, right? It's not, they're doing ministry by providing bowls. They're doing ministry by fixing Wi-Fi. They're demonstrating that what is important to these people is important to them because they love Jesus and they know Jesus loves these people. Jim talked about the impact he had in factory floors, right? Wherever you are, you are meant to live a life that glorifies God. Whatever position he has put you in, whatever vocation he has given you is meant to be used for him. And I know that's been such a huge part of your lives over these past couple of years is using who he has made you to. Have you gone to seminary yet? Have either of you? (laughs) You have a theology degree, right? They don't need to be the next John Piper, They need to be loyal and faithful to who God has called them to be. And so as we wrap up, I want to ask you, what's the the biggest thing or one of the top two things that God has really just impressed on your heart over this last year as you've lived in in such a different scenario? Man, okay. Uh, Well, first of all, I would say this past year has been um, the biggest year of growth in my life. Um, You expect to, you know be a missionary, you're going to go, and God's going to use you to change others' lives. But I think he changed mine the most, and um, it was not always easy. It was really hard most of the year, actually, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because he grew my faith and trust in him so much more than ever before. But I think one of the things that sticks out to me, um, I would say, is growing up, I grew up in the church. I'm a PK 
for those of you that know what that means, it's a pastor's kid. Um, and we I kind of, <laughs> I kind of always had this sense of like pastors, missionaries, evangelists, they were the ones that for the most part did the, the big work of the kingdom and shared the gospel the most. And um, it wasn't that anyone ever said that, but it's kind of like, that's just how people acted. And that's just kind of the sense I had growing up. And I kind of felt like maybe God gave them a little extra special something, I don't know, a skill, talent, something, um, to be able to want to do it more, to have the words to do it more, and to do it more. Um, and then this happens, and God calls us to Haiti. And I realized this past year, I'm the same April that I was before he called me to Haiti. I'm nothing extra special. He gave me no extra boost of something to share the gospel or any of that. And it reminded me, I think, that we're all called to do this. Um, and it, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be evangelist. I can tell you for sure right now, you don't get anything extra special. It's just that we said yes to the job God has called us to do. And he's called all of us for a job. We all have different jobs we do. I mean, I believe, and he's, he's shown me this more this year than ever, that you know he has placed each of us in a neighborhood, a school system, uh, family, friends, and our jobs for a reason and for a purpose. And I feel... Um, that we've, we know that, like we know that it's our job, but do we believe it and do we practice it? And that is really what he has been impressing upon my heart, that no matter where we're at, we need to stop waiting for what we feel is the right calling or the right job or the right place or it, making sure we know enough. You know, Jim's instance, he didn't a lot of times know anything that the guy was asking, but then it would cause him to search and they grew together. Um, but I think we just need to step out and share that hope that we have and, and share God's gospel and his peace and his joy. I mean, right now with everything that the world's going through, they need it more than ever. And so I just want to encourage all of us because this is something I'm learning, like, and I'm praying this myself, like to step out and just pray for that boldness and that courage um, to ask the Lord to help us, you know, especially if you're nervous to get started with that and just praying for him to give us the opportunities to share. And I think he will. Mm. So I think that's one of the big things he's taught me. Amen. Any last? Uh, Give us something really wise and just blow our minds. Really wise and blow your minds. Um, okay, I got something. Oh, all right. Pe people tell me I could never do what you do, move to Haiti. That's probably been one of the biggest things people have said to us, like when we were done talking at churches and stuff. And I used to be really nice about it, and I just say something along the lines of, Oh, you know, we, by the grace of God, we, we do what we do. We just said yes. But I, I've started to say, no, you can't. Because if you've already put a limit on what God can do in your life, then no, you couldn't move to Haiti. It's just that simple. If you start putting a limit on what God can do in your life, then you can't, you can't be an impact then. But if you're willing to just say yes to whatever God has for you to do, you could, be, you could do more than move to Haiti. And it doesn't mean moving across the country. It doesn't mean moving across the world. You could do more where you're at now than April and I ever could. But it's about not only the mindset, but what your heart is. Where you, where's your heart? If you want to do more, if you look at us and think, I can't move to Haiti, I can't do that, I want you to stop right now. And I want you to think, how could I do more than what they do? How can I do better than what they do? I guarantee you, you can do better than April and I moving to Haiti. You can do better than me doing 
whatever I do in Haiti, people still wonder why I'm there. But just I, I really, really want to encourage you, think about what you can do, where you're at now, and be more than, and if that's what you want to take away from April and I moving to Haiti is how can I do more than they can, I encourage you to do that. Be more, be better. I would love to come home here to Ohio next year and to hear stories about how you impacted where you're at. You walked through Kroger and ended up leading someone to Christ. You know, you went to a swimming pool and all of a sudden this family, you know, was invited to church and came to know Jesus. Like that to me would be awesome. And again, we might be in Haiti doing other things. It might look different, but it's all the same thing. It's all about showing people the love of Christ and leading people to Christ. Shoot, man. You <laughs> blew our minds. <laughs> I was just giving you a hard time. That's fantastic. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Man, that's why I love you guys, because it's real to them. This isn't, they're not going through the motions. This defines who they are. And if we can be a church that this defines who we are, the gates of hell won't stand against that church. And that's what I'm excited for, for this body. So if you would, please, please stand. We want to pray for the Starkeys and just thank, thank the Lord for how he's burdened their hearts and then pray for them as they continue. Lord, we thank you for Jim and April and their boys. We thank you for how you have moved them and how you have changed them and transformed them and what you're now doing through them, God, that you are using them to show your love to these people in Haiti. And when they're back in the States, you don't stop using them, that you're using them to challenge us and to push, push us forward, God. We thank you for that. We thank you for their willingness to give their lives to you. And so we ask for your protection. We ask for your blessing uh, on them that this would be a time not marked by financial prosperity or perfect health or perfect happiness, but a time of healing. And we thank you for what you've done in April and a time of protection as they travel. And they're in a country with an infrastructure that can be derailed by gang violence at a moment's notice that you would wrap your arms around this family and keep them safe. And that you would be first and foremost growing them in their relationship with you. That every day they would be drawing closer and closer to your heart and looking more and more like Jesus to the world around them. We thank you for allowing the Starkeys to be part of our family and we thank you that we have the privilege of getting to see what you are doing with them in Haiti. It's in Jesus' name we pray and trust them to you. Amen.